Hey folks, hope your Q3 and Q4 is off to a good start. We just wrapped up Founder 500 in Austin, Texas. Hundreds of bootstrap founders showed up. It was an amazing time. I loved meeting so many of you. This interview today is a recording from that session, which you're going to love because now we have visuals, we have the founder teaching, and I made every single speaker include their revenue graphs and real artifacts in their presentations. Without further ado, let's jump in. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Please help me in giving Matt Prados from Review Wave a warm round of applause. Welcome, Mike. Welcome, welcome. This will be your mic. We'll grab a seat for you, get up here, get you featured. All right. So, um, talk first. Guys, who knows about Review Wave? Have you used the product? You've seen the product? You've heard about it? Okay. How would you describe Review Wave? Do ah, you know this guy? Uh, new customer? Nope. All right. You won't find our customers. Here. Just look it right up. There we go. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, you won't find our customers here because this is a really SaaS founder. So our product is definitely not for the SaaS market. It's for doctors. So, uh, so tell us more about that. Yeah, what's the product do? Review Wave, doctors. Sure. So uh, about six years ago, I was running a digital marketing agency and did an analysis of all our clients who was getting the most new patients. And I found who had the most reviews, got the most new patients, because we were using the same website, the same ads, all this kind of stuff. And so it literally started as a little side hustle. Let's just show them how to get reviews. Coaching didn't work. Everything, we went to technology. It was manual. That kind of worked. But then we automated it by connecting to the electronic health records that they already use, which you've heard that strategy over the last couple of days, integrating into their stack. It was magic. We just automatically started asking the reviews. The reviews came in. They got more new patients. And, you know, that was the kind of the aha moment where we're on to something. We've certainly grown way beyond just asking for reviews. We're in a, uh, a complete uh, patient engagement engine, online scheduling, uh, appointment reminders, automated campaigns. You know, it's it's a beast now. More over, vertical integration is beautiful. Now, everyone wants to, I don't know about you guys, but some people my age, you know, us millennials, they wake up in their bed and the first thing they look at is Snapchat on their phone or Instagram. Me, it's the Stripe dashboard. It's always the Stripe dashboard. It's did I sell while I was sleeping? And then I have a good day if you sell. Everyone wants to wake up and see this on their Stripe dashboard. So what are we looking at right here? What does 25.53 in gross volume look like? Yeah, so I mean, as you can see, it, it's not the hockey stick yet. We're, we're still in the small, you know, upward tick, but it's doing the the hard things over and over again, consistently growing. We've uh, doubled year over year, every year for the first five years. And, uh, you know, that's what it looks like. And it uh, got us to, you know, these different graphs. I'm not a big graph guy. I'm actually in um, PowerPoint jail right now. Nathan had to walk me through because I don't do decks. I'm like, uh, Matt, you have such a fucking good story, but this deck is just not going to work. Just let me do the deck and let me just interview you. And he was game. You're letting us do it. So that's good. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm an operator. I don't go around. I don't speak on stages. You know, literally Nathan asked me to speak and I was like, no, I'm I'm actually not going to come. I just (laughs) archived that email. I was like, I got too much shit going on. I went home that night and then I felt guilty because I've been exactly where you guys are in these seats and needing to hear one or two nuggets that will allow you to go home and do something that'll change your business. So uh, I guilted myself into coming. 
uh, had no time to be here. Literally was, he was trying to get me to do this deck while I was on my 25 year wedding anniversary in Laguna Beach. And I was like, I look it's really just not bad happening. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad now. Okay, but okay, so let's tap into that guilt, right? What are those yeah. things where you're like, man, I really got to tell these founders these couple of things about our early days? Yeah, so, I mean, there's so many lessons that you learn from different stages, right? Um, you know, in the beginning, you know, when you're just trying to, you know, make any kind of money from, you know, like zero to 100 clients, uh, you have to just be on top of everything, right? Um that we've come to learn was wartime. Like that was the wartime CEO in me where it's like, you know, you're screaming to get stuff done. Like you're breaking everything. It, like systems don't matter at that point. Just getting a result matters. And then, you know, you evolve into, you know, having more people and, and then you have to have systems and training systems. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest realizations, you know, in the last year that I've had is whoever starts with you is typically not going to finish with you. And that's something that most people don't talk about and they don't tell you. So you're not emotionally prepared for that when it happens. Uh, so if you have people that you're really close with that have started this company, they've been with you for a while, you know, life changes and sometimes they leave. And so, so wait, Matt, let's dive deep there for a second. So yeah. all of you guys think about your original cap tables from however many years ago, the original founders, just raise your hand if you had some sort of, well, it's not dramatic. I won't call on you to like throw your old co-founder under the bus because they won't let you buy back their equity, but just raise your hand if you had some old co-founder, someone that had equity where there was some kind of friction, raise your hand high. This is like, come to, this is the Oprah moment of SaaS, right? We're all together. All right. So what was your story? It's not you even a, just the cap table, right? It's, it's just, it's also employees, you know? Uh, had a had a gentleman who was with us from very very early on, and he was with us for uh, over three years, and you know had a life change where you know got a girlfriend. She was a while a ways away. Um, he wanted to work remote. We said absolutely not. We are not remote first. We're rem we're rem remote never. Um, I hate that business model. Um, but uh, you know, so then he got mad at us and you know put in his notice like, hey, I'm going to leave. And we said, cool. You know, you can stay as long as you continue producing. And uh, he just stopped doing good work, right? He started slacking on how he handled clients and caused some upsets. Matt, what's context here? How big was the team size when this particular thing happened? He started with us when we had like seven people. And I mean, he got let go this year and we're you know, over 70 people now. Seven. And was he leading some VP of revenue, some critical? Uh, he, was, he was high up in our support team. Support so he, team. He, was, okay. he was great. He, was, he did great work for while he was here. Um, I mean... Literally, I had him over at my house every Thanksgiving for three years. You know, like he, he was part of the family, right? But life changed and he had to exit. And then I'll tell you what, he didn't like us on Glassdoor. Glassdoor um, <laughs> is the worst. Somebody needs to start a review site for employees. I know it's illegal, so we can't do it. But can you imagine <laughs> if you got to look at the reviews from employers about employees before you hired them? Because, man, the things they say about us. <laughs> That's an amen moment. <laughs> Someone's got to start that. There's a there's a billion dollar business in here. Someone's got to just build that and go to town. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so talk to me uh, before we get into actual doctors, pricing, packaging, things like that. What what, did, what any co-founders? What did your cap table look like on day one? Uh, I owned 100. percent You still own 100. percent No. Okay. So what happened? You didn't raise though, right? It's bootstrap. No, yeah. So I mean, certain you know key employees and and whatnot. Um, we did have one small like early early you know 150k from uh, Angel at that point it was a strategic kind of deal, but uh, we've never spent the money. It's been in the bank the whole time. Uh, it did allow us to you know tell people we had money in the bank, so made a few hires easier. But but no, we've uh, I'm 100 you know bootstrap guy. We've never had a burn rate. 
Uh, I couldn't sleep at night having a burn rate. Uh, I would just go nuts. So <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so how were you able to do that? If we go back to your revenue growth here, were you pre-selling contracts in 2018 to 2020? Like, What was the average price point these doctors were paying you per year? Yeah, so we started at $99 a month, and I hate annual prepays, so we never did them. So we literally, and we were free trials. So first for first 30 days was free, and then it was 99 bucks a month on a month to month kind of contract. And uh, we've over the you know six years moved that from a 99 starting point to 299, 399, 499, and with another 300 available add-ons. So we definitely pushed the you know go up market scenario mm -hmm. there. I was gonna say, so on this screen right now, everyone's seeing you're spending 1800 bucks to get these doctors as customers, but the average initial ACV is, is about what today? So, it, I mean, you, you know, you've got 35,000 is what our, um, you know, guys calculated, but in reality at our growth rate, half of our customers came on in the last 18 months. So you can't even, I mean, you can't really get an LTV when they've only been with you for you know, one to 18 months. Cause, but at the end of the day, is our, is our CAC on there? No, or it's churn? not. Yeah, it churn, churn is though. Uh, so, you know, 0.76, so less than 1% logo churn month over month. So. They're not going anywhere. They stay with us. What do you guys care about more? When you guys run your monthly financials, do you care more about a really healthy LTV to CAC ratio or a very fast payback period? If you care more about payback period, raise your hand. A quick payback period, instant CAC payback, raise your hand. Okay, and then hands down. So is everyone else on the other side? Other side? Yeah, I mean, the, the tricky thing I see is you see folks that do what probably your CFO did for this deck, which is take your monthly churn, do one divided by monthly churn to get a number of months of LTV and then multiply by your ARPU, which is how you get 35,000 LTV. Yep. The problem is if it takes you 24 months to get the money back, you have to raise capital to do that. How do you cover the burn? So how do you get your money back so, so fast? Yeah, so I mean, we are 18% uh, profit rates right now. So we've got plenty of money to scale. Certainly, as we find new channels and do different things, and if we start to lose that you know, profit margin, then you'll, we would have to raise, but we, we have not to date had to raise. So just to be clear, you just broke recently a million dollars in monthly revenue and MRR, mm -hmm. and so you're taking about 180 grand a month to the bottom line. And so as a founder that's generating cash flow, how do you personally think about that in terms of like wealth management? Do you put it back in the business? Do you diversify into real estate, crypto, God forbid, or anything else? Uh, I mean, I gambled a little bit in crypto. That didn't go well. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, yeah, real estate, um, you know, different funds that have preferred returns and, and things like that. So try to be on the safe side on that. But I look at my business as what will create my total wealth. And then any of the investments is more of just like keep it, keep it safe, keep it protected over there. But you know, take, take some off the table. I still invest in the business. So, you know, it's, I could take a lot more if I tried. So the, what you guys are looking at now is actually the slide deck that Matt said he sort of put together. Um, and I didn't dig deeper in asking Matt via email, well, what's the slide deck for? But it looks like you're trying to do something now because you've put your slides together in a beautiful story. So what's happening now? Are you looking to raise? So we're, we're toying with the idea. So uh, depending on where you guys are at, I mean, you probably get hit with all of the emails. Hey, you know, would it be helpful if we met, you know, even if you're not looking to raise, you know, the, the typical, there's, there's one guy who trains all these guys how to set, how to send an email, uh, cause it's the same template, but, uh, it's like right when you hit 200 K a month, there's some API they have into Stripe that just tells them, start sending those emails to that guy. Right. Um, but no, so I, I actually started taking those calls just to see what's what, right. I've, did, I didn't go to school for any financial stuff. I walked out of college after six weeks. I'm a sales and marketing guy. I've never been in the VC world. I've never played there. So once we started to get success, I was like, well, what are these guys about? What are they going to talk about? You know, what are they going to look at? And so I actually used them uh, three times in the last three and a half years to 
dissect our business and tell me what's wrong with it, right? Uh, they're all going to be, you know, like, oh, your business is so great, right up until the point where you're like, give me money. And then they want to tell you what, everything that's wrong with your business. And so you want to get to a term sheet. You don't want to just have the nice talks because that's where they're like buttering you up. Right? That's the, the pre-Tinder date or whatever, not the like, let's go home part of Tinder. Uh, they, they're, they're drastically changed. So get to the point where they drastically change because all of us as founders have inflated ideas of what our businesses are worth thanks to Qualtrics selling for like 22 times revenue and whatnot, right? So everybody's like, oh, this is guaranteed 10%. Well, not in today's market. Like the economy right now, everybody's puckering up. It's like seven times revenue is, is where they want to kind of max out at, right? So you got to know and, and you got to know what they're not going to like about you and start to understand I mean, if you only dated once and got married, did you marry the right person? I don't know. Like, you get out there and meet some people, right? So that was kind of my theory on taking these calls. And I didn't design this deck. I paid somebody to do it. It looks great. It looks great. Yeah, so, I mean, this is an important part of any deck, whether you're raising debt or equity is the slide that you're looking at right here, which is positions you guys beautifully because of how capital efficient you've been. So, um, I mean, have you put this into practice? Have you been on cause and presented this yet? And what's the response been like? Yeah, so we sent this out uh, at the beginning of summer, which, uh, note, take the note, don't ever try to raise during summer. Everybody's on vacation. Nobody wants to, like, make meetings and stuff. So it's very hard to get VC firms to do anything during that time. But uh, yeah, no, we sent it out to everybody who basically reached out ever to us to just get some feedback, see what the deal was. Uh, that was, you know, probably 40 different firms uh, from that. We ended up in 30 different uh, conversations. And uh, from that, we got down to like three uh, basic term sheets. And, uh, you know, and then we actually signed one and started letting them do diligence to see, you know, what would happen. <clears throat> and, um, I ended up kind of like not liking them, kind of pu pulling back a bit. Well, they not could them or the terms? Them. So personally, yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, there's lots of money out there, but it's like, who's giving you the money and what else are they giving you besides money? And uh, funny enough, they gave me some references of people they did deals with. And so I called them and one of them was like, dude, just so you know, they're only money. I was like, wow, this is their reference. <laughs> uh, that wasn't very good for them, but uh so, you know, if I'm going to, you know, bring somebody on and they're going to get to take this ride from 10 to 50 million with us over the next couple of years, I want somebody who's going to contribute more than just the money because I, you know, I don't need the money right now. And you also have great leverage to so talk about what you're asking for here. Uh, no, maybe you're not asking for it since you withdrew, but what were you asking for? Yeah. So, I mean, we were looking at, you know, pretty much $150 million valuation, 20% deal, 50% uh, for secondary, which is where you take it off the table and then 50% to leave on the books. So we were going to take that 15 million. We've got a short list of some companies that we want to acquire to go into other verticals and, uh, you know, as a go-to-market strategy in other verticals. Does anyone have any questions on that? Just the structure of the ask? I mean, I, again, I don't mind when founders go raise equity if there's a massive secondary component because you, then you're getting rich, right? That's fantastic. You don't have to wait for, you know, an IPO to, you know, build wealth. So does anyone have questions on the ask and how he structured the deal? Just yell, yell it out. I don't, yeah, Chris, Chris, yeah, go ahead. Um, at what point does it make sense to look at taking it's a great question. So repeat it's, it real quick. Uh, so at what point does it make sense to take money off the table? At, at the end of the day, uh, it's a personal question. You know, how much are you, get, you know, giving up? How much are you getting now? You know, there's some de-risking factors. But at the end of the day, if I wait two years, you know, instead of this valuation, if, you know, we get to, you know, 5x from where we are, what did I lose by taking it now? You know, I'm not going to make that up in an investment, right? So 
it, it's, a, it's a hard personal choice. You know, I mean, uh, you've heard a lot of different things over the last two days about how people did things and there's no one answer that's right for anybody, right? Somebody was like, uh, bootstrapping is, is trying to break even at the end of every year and like, I don't believe in that. Like, give me my money. I want some money now. So I take chips off the table every single month, right? I take distributions um, while growing the business at a, a very rapid pace, et cetera. But, uh, you know, so it's, it's all personal choice. And uh, um, I mean, when you talk about distributions, again, you just said earlier 18%, right? Mm-hmm. So you're effectively taking dif- distributions for anything you don't want to leave in the business at mm-hmm. the end of the month. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and then, I mean, I'll add on to this on the secondary stuff. Uh, a lot of VCs, like if this is your, this would be your first round, right? Yep. Yeah. So, but like, let's say you do a small round, um, they will always look at the prior term sheet. So if you've, if you've already set precedence that you did a small secondary already, it's way easier to get a bigger one the next time. So like, I would argue as soon as you can, ask for, even if you're only raising a million bucks, just get a hundred KFs, create the pattern in your legal history and your legal docs that you're going to ask for that. It makes it easier in the future. Uh, this is some, something that I've seen. So, so we'll see. Now, did these guys that you really liked agree to these terms before you pulled out from, for personal reasons? Uh, we didn't quite get the full, you know, 150 ask, but the, the rest of the terms, yes. Okay. Andre, did you have a question? Uh, same question. So if someone's at 2 million in ARR growing 70% year over year, could they get a secondary done? Two million, twenty. I mean, it, it depends how much you want to take off the table. So, what we found is because we were only willing to do like a twenty percent deal, they weren't getting as much skin in the game. They didn't really like. They don't love the secondary amount, even though they all say on their website they love giving you liquidity. They don't. They want you to be, you know, tied to the, to the game and you know, not go off and, and be distracted. So, um, it, it it depends, and you probably get more favorable secondary if you do more than twenty percent. That was probably one of the hardest parts of our ask is where. You know, they had a lot of problem with that. I do think I want to touch on one thing here because I don't know where else you would get this if it wasn't here. Um, did you get into tax consequences of the secondary and how to process it? And if so, you know, how did you think about doing that if you did close it? So uh, let me give you two options. Pay a lot of fucking taxes. Yeah. Well, so I mean, would you? Well, so two two big options, right? Did you decide to go the route of having that fifteen million go into the company first and the company repurchasing your shares, or was it the investor buying your shares directly and then your which you have common and yeah. then and then they auto convert the common to the preferred in, in this round? Yeah, the latter. The latter. Yeah. That's what most do, but it's a little harder to negotiate. Uh, why did you decide on the latter versus the company buyback route? Uh, I actually didn't even. Uh, look at the company by background okay. you know i just again i don't play in the in the venture world so i'm i look at things what's the simplest thing like i have shares you're going to buy them i'm going to take the money and that was yeah. just kind of the thing nobody brought it up so is it is there some tax advantage to that strategy uh how many people are in the u.s u.s headquarters yeah so um uh, now the name is going to totally escape me what's the program where it's 10 million bucks it's sheltered there you go uh if you do a secondary, so what QSBS is, if you hold your shares, your C-Corp, your shares more than five years, and then you sell for 10 million bucks, effectively you can shelter that 10 million bucks as the founder. However, if you do a secondary above a certain amount and take money off the table, it can kill your USBS, your QSBS eligibility. So you want to make sure if you do do a secondary before five years, you don't screw up your QSBS eligibility because when you do sell for whatever you end up selling for one day, you know, a billion dollars, um, if you have kids and set up trust, you can actually use the QSBS 10 million, not just one time for your own, but trust for your kid, your wife. And I've seen people do this with 60, 70 million bucks. So you don't want to lose that tax shelter. Yeah. So I, I tried to start looking at like, how do I do all this tax planning stuff? And what I found is it consumed more of my head and time where I couldn't run the business the way I wanted. And finally I was just like, screw it. I'll just pay the taxes because I'm going to grow the business so much bigger, faster that it's just not worth screwing around. 
that's probably the right approach. I just don't like writing a $5 million check to the government, you know? Um, cool. Let's talk about one last thing, because I think this is pretty freaking cool. Your co-founder is your wife, mm-hmm. and it's working. You've been together for 25 years. 25 What's years. working? <laughs> the, the appropriate stuff you can talk about. <laughs> uh, you know, business marriage, whatever, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs and you got to be able to, you know, take the good with the bad. You got to keep pushing through. Um, and, uh, you know, admire when things don't go your way and figure out how to make them go your way. That's the ultimate question is, does, does Kirsten own 51% or do you own 51%? <laughs> Technically it's in my name, but in California and marriage, all that, like it's, it's equal. Very, very cool. Okay. So this is cool. Now, now in terms of the background here too, were you both doctors first, software second, or were one of you software first? Uh, neither of us are doctors. Okay. I walked out of college after six weeks, never went back. She never even went to college. Uh, we have no degrees. Uh, we have no you know, reason to be in the position we are in. And we just did it because I don't give a fuck about the rules. <laughs> I love that. All right, let's wrap up here with two things. One, what you're reading and then where you're giving back because this was important to you in our email exchange. So let's talk about books first. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I've spent probably a quarter million dollars in the last uh, 10 years on my education. So I didn't go to college, college, but, you know, I've joined, you know, masterminds, uh, you know, everything from Dan Kennedy to Frank Kern to Dan Martell, you know, um, all great experiences. But it's amazing at what you can get out of books. So, you know, every every single founder should be reading, you know, a book uh, to four books every single month, right? Uh, You know, what you do is who you are was absolutely amazing. If you haven't read that, uh, never lose a customer again. We actually give that book to every single one of our customers uh, because what we do is based on never lose a customer and having a good patient experience, those kind of things. Uh, every single one of our uh, customer support people read that book as the second book that they read. The first book they read is How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's the uh, ultimate book that any team should be you know reading and, and helps build a culture that you know can like each other over a long period of time. Important. <laughs> Anyone else you want to shine light on, or these these are the ones? These are uh, your I mean, main top every, ones. Everything on here is amazing. Uh, you know, there's there's so much uh, here, uh, and so much not even here. You know, uh, I was in Dan Kennedy's mastermind. And he said to me, he's like, "Look, you can buy everything I've ever written for two hundred and nineteen dollars. Anything you spend above that is just to be closer to me." And uh, I mean, I've literally paid you know twenty grand to go to his house for the day. You know, I, I, to be close to him and, and have those conversations and stuff. Um, but it isn't, there's so much in those books and, and I wouldn't be where I am today without them. Andre, fire one question and we'll wrap up with donations here. Great, great topic. Love it. Took 10 pages of notes. But when you recommend a book for your employees, yeah. Monday, they read it or do you just recommend it? Then here's the book. So we actually pay them uh, 15 minutes a day to read and uh, encourage them to read more. Um, and yeah, so it, it's all over the board. You know, they'll go through periods of doing it, and then they'll go through periods of not doing it. And then, you know, at our, you know, kind of monthly town halls, I'll read excerpts of them and I'll talk about, you know, different things to try and encourage them to read. But not all of them read and not all of them stay. <laughs> no. Nice. I wonder if there's a correlation between them. <laughs> all right, Matt, take us home here. You, some of these organizations are very close to your heart. Tell us why. Yeah, so, I mean, donations, tips, uh, all these things, you know, I feel like it's important as you get to any kind of successful level to keep the economy going and, and help people who, you know, maybe can't help themselves. And so there's a ton of different things that we've done. Uh, Operation Underground Railroad, uh, they help with human trafficking victims. Uh, Negu is actually local in Orange County, uh, provides joy jars, which are basically 
jars of toys to kids battling cancer. Uh, we even took our entire team over their headquarters and packed jars over there, had a great team building event there. Uh, but you know, any, you know, I mean, well, I was born on Camp Pendleton's, both my parents were Marines, so the, the USO deal, you know, we got 20 soldiers that were deployed to be able to record a bedtime story for their kids back home. You know, so just, you know, there's people doing things to create the environment that give us the life that we have and what we can do as founders, and I feel like it's very important to give back. And, uh, you know, not only in these donation things, but like tipping, you know, um, you will find the more you invest in the people that you see on a day-to-day -day basis, you, I talk about it as putting deposits in your staff or deposits just in people that are gonna be around you. Uh, you know, we, went, we go to the sushi place all the time and I could see the waiter was just having a bad day one day. And I mean, our bill was like 60 bucks. It wasn't much, but I tipped him a hundred bucks. Uh, and the next time we came back, which was like two months later, it was a long time. He came running from the other corner over, like hugging my wife. He thought she did it, not me. But like, <laughs> you know, he was so excited to see us back. And now literally every time we go there, he's like whipping the staff like, hey, make sure they sit right away. Hey, where's their food? Why isn't it on time? Like it'll change the way that people interact with you. So invest in as many people in your life as you can and they'll invest back. Guys, on that note, talk about a well-rounded founder. Guys, give it up for Matt Prados at Review Wave.